0: Today, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au.
1: T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. What a champion becomes a legend. McConaughey Debra's won it. Perkins goes in first. What a legend. What a champion. Welcome to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. And as always, it's a pleasure to have your company for another edition of This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral, celebrating lives. And today we celebrate the life of a gentleman who played in three premierships, made his mark at Melbourne, but he also has a story to tell about South Melbourne, about Carlton, about his time in football. His name is Ian Thurgood, and he joins us. Ian, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you, Peter, very much. Uh, very happy to be here. How you doing? Yes, well, uh, struggling along. And you mentioned Tobin Brothers. I hope they're a long way away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I'm heading in the right direction, but um, wait and see.
1: We're actually having this chat at Warringal Hospital. How long have you been in here?
0: Ah, oh, now nearly, uh, nearly four weeks, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, we're in and out. I do get time out, and I've been able to watch my one of my grandson's... Uh, uh, play basketball on a Saturday and another grandson who's connected to the uh, uh, AFL uh, Wangaratta uh, juniors uh, playing a couple of practice games on a Sunday so it's not as though you're in prison uh, you can get out, the, out the, the place yeah and that's good.
1: And you've got family around you as we sit here and have this chat yes. so that's always important.
0: Family have been brilliant and of course. Uh, I am only allowed out if I've got carers. And uh, both these two daughters, Tanya and Simone, have been absolutely brilliant in being carers when I need to go out and take me to cafes and, and spoilt me rotten. And so they should.
1: Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> what about the modern-day game? What do you think of it? There's a lot of changes going on in footy at the moment.
0: Yes, there is. I probably wouldn't get a kick. Um, I reckon you would. <laughs> Um, it's very fast uh, as, as I see
1: it. What do you reckon about the zoning that they're bringing in, whether you've got to have six at one end, six in the middle, six at the other end? Do you think that'll work?
0: I think it's a wait and see. I think it is crowded in the uh, centre square. And I think from what I hear when I'm talking to various ex-players and, and so on, that, uh, that it, is, it is accepted at the moment. And let's have a go. Opens it up. Wait and see.
1: Now we talked about your history with a few clubs, yeah. uh, and we'll get into that as the chat progresses. Yeah. But who's your team?
0: i oh, Melbourne's my team. God, I wouldn't, uh, uh, I wouldn't go anywhere else other than the D's. Um, but it's funny when I was a kid, um, and I got an invitation. I was only sixteen, and I didn't want to go there because I voted for Richmond. Mm. Mad Richmond supporter. My dad had played in many uh, reserve games, and uh, and I. Uh, when I was invited and I fronted. I said, No, I said to my dad, well, I don't want to go there. Why would I want to go there bouncing around with those guys? Anyway, he talked me into it, and I went with the attitude of I'll, I'll come here and uh, I'll you know, spend a couple of weeks running around, and I was running around with some, with some great... I mean, the coordinator, Dennis Cordner, uh, Jeff McGiffin, great names in football... Um, but I just clowned around. I suppose either way. Um, until Jim Carble came up to me and said, "Look, I'm sorry. Uh, this is probably after a fortnight. Um, we've had a good look at you, and we think that um, you're not, you know, up to it." And I quickly said to him, "Well, does that mean I can go to Richmond?" <laughs> but that wasn't on. They sent me down to the. Uh, Albert Ground, uh, where the under nineteens were, and and that's where I started with them. And uh, a great bunch of guys. Um, we all worked together, and many of us uh, uh, went through uh, yeah to play our first uh, seconds reserves uh, as they had it grand final premiership, and then in, into '57, and yeah, marched
1: on. So before that premiership win in the reserves in '56. You said that you got there and you clowned around. Yeah. What changed your attitude? What made you more serious about your football?
0: Very hard to say. I think probably Smithy, um, because I wasn't under Smithy until I... I, There was an incident where I was named as a emergency. Uh, Those were the days when the reserves played at another ground. I was late. And he was standing just inside the door when I walked in, and uh, he said... What are you doing turning up now? What if we wanted you for, uh, to play? He really gave it to me. And I think it was a, a shock treatment. Um, and it changed my attitude towards fronting up. And, yeah, this is rather serious. And I don't want Smithy jumping on top of me with a voice like that.
1: Just take us back a little bit before that, Ian. You, you spoke about your love for Richmond. Who were your idols when you were watching Richmond as a kid?
0: There's certainly Jack Dyer and uh, and, and and those guys. Um, was
1: he as fierce as his reputation is? Yeah, he he
0: was tough. Yeah. Uh, what 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 I could see from the fence anyway, he he was tough, and uh, yeah, big Jack. Everybody, everybody, he was everybody's idol, and. Uh, Oh yeah, go Tigers! Uh, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got to shut up though, because <laughs> no. that changed tremendously yes. my love for Melbourne and the guys that uh, and then I was able to have lunch with uh, uh, many of them last uh, Thursday. There were ten of us that all played together and uh, brought back a lot of memories, a lot of fun, a lot of laughter.
1: Who were some of the names you got together with for lunch?
0: Oh God, uh, Brass was there. Yeah. Barras, Brian Dixon, Hassan Mann, um Clyde Laidlaw uh, <clears throat> John Lord uh, Frankie Davis uh, Dick Fenton-Smith, Big Tor Ruckman and there were two missing, one was Bluey Adams who's got a bit of a fight, similar to I have Brian Keneally had a bowling a bowled commitment so that's the local guys, uh, so that, that would have made 12. Oh, Noel McMahon, captain uh, of the premiership 56, side. 56, yeah. Yeah, he was there, 56. Yeah. There's about 17 of us, 18 of us, still left kicking around, telling each other how good we were.
1: <laughs> I've had a bit to do with Hasser over the years. Yep. He's just one of the great blokes of footy, isn't he?
0: Hasser, yes. he, uh, he a half forward flanker, a captain um, of uh, one of our premiership sides, I think. Uh, and a good guy, a really good guy. And and has been involved in the club trying to help the club to get itself uh, up and running as a, in the management area of the club he's not doing any more i don't think
1: mm. when you played in that reserves premiership in 56 did that give you the hunger for more did it give you the hunger to succeed one level above that or was that what you were thinking at the time or did you think that this might be about your level
0: I wasn't, I wasn't quite sure where I was going because at the same time I was doing national service in the Navy and uh, I wasn't there for training. I trained down at Cerberus. Um, there were a few guys down there that loved the footy and, and the club was happy with that uh, as long as I fronted up to play each Saturday. So it was a, it was a mixed time for me. Um, Great support from the club that I did, National Service. Great support from the naval people who allowed me out every weekend to play uh, to play reserves footy. Um, I clearly remember, again, my dad was involved. The, uh, the coach of the South Melbourne side was a guy by the name of Pee Wee Condon. And <laughs> my dad said, Look, he said, uh, he's only a little bloke and he plays on a half-forward flank. He said, when they bounce the ball, run straight up his back and jump if the ball comes out to him. And uh, he won't see him for the rest of the day. Well, funny enough, um, he was out a few metres in front of me. The ball was bounced. Somebody kicked it up in the air. Pee-wee Condon went for it and I jumped into his back. And uh, I got a few kicks after that, which was very good for the rest of the game. Yeah, so, yeah, that was the start of it all, but uh, it was mixed with the National Service training as well.
1: So how often would you train when you were at Cerberus? Uh, Was it a couple of nights a week?
0: No, all the time. Yeah. It was good. They uh, allowed us uh, to uh, have our footy, and I I really can't remember uh, the names of the guys that were there uh, at the time, but... uh, Many of them were involved with uh, with league clubs. Um, I don't know that they got off as often as I did. I was allowed out every Friday night to get... It was a what they called a... Um, uh, not a holiday train. A, a, um, a train that tickle, took everybody up and uh, um, let us off at certain stations. Um, and then we all had to be back at a certain time on the Sunday night. Yeah, it was good.
1: So in some ways, you might have been fitter than the guys who were playing down in Melbourne because in those days, it was only Tuesdays and Thursdays training, wasn't it? It was a couple yeah, of nights a week. I
0: know. We were at it all the time. And plus, uh, the, the part of the naval training was fitness. Um, so running, God, running here, running there, running everywhere. Um, you didn't walk. You didn't just march. Um, so uh, you had that. Plus, they allowed us under the oval of them, a good oval down there, uh, kicking the footy to each other, and yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how much it meant uh, because I didn't get to train with the with the um, uh, reserves of seniors uh, at Melbourne. That didn't really come until the next year, uh, full on.
1: So when that came, did you feel as though? getting into the normal system of football, did you feel as though you maintained your fitness that you had from the Navy training or did you feel as though that it might have dropped away a little
0: no, bit? No, no, uh, I think I was ready to go. Um, I think the fitness level that I gained um, running and running and running and running um, put me in great stead to do what uh, Norm Smith wanted with his senior side and I was able to sort of, uh, uh, yeah, um, put myself in with the Hassamans and uh, and all those guys, um, <clears throat> brasses and so on, to the level that they were at. Um, and Norm was pretty demanding sort of a guy, anyway. But it didn't all it didn't all um, uh, rely on running. Uh, there was. Uh, football skill, handling the ball, marking, uh, running, picking up, backing each other up. There was all the other things in footy, so I was able
1: to uh, able to handle that. Just coming forward to the modern day again. That's something that doesn't happen a lot at training these days because the sports mm. psychologists and and the management people say, "Oh no, you can't practice your kicking for goal." Well, yeah. surely that's one of the skills of the game.
0: Well, I, I take what of what I see of it. And most of it I watch on television. I don't get the chance to go down the ground and uh, watch what's happening. But to me, uh, they're just jogging around. They run from here and they run from there, but not the way you would have to do it in the game. And I was... Norm certainly planted into me, and I took it when I went coaching for about six or seven years. As you train, you will play... And I keep looking and I think, well, if that's the way you're going to train, that's not the way you're going to play. I would be changing the training, um, the way they train today, if I was involved Did mm. bit different way.
1: You've mentioned the great Norm Smith many times, and I want to, on the other side of the break, explore that great team at Melbourne, one of the great teams of all time, and we'll do that after we take a break. Ian Thurgood is my very special guest on this. Is your sporting life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives, and we'll have more with Ian coming up after the break. Welcome back to this is your sporting life with Peter Donaghen for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. And it is a great pleasure to have Ian Thorogood as my guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives, Ian, when they talk about the great teams in football, they talk about Collingwood in the late 20s, they talk about Hawthorne in the 80s and even in this decade, but they also talk about that team you were a part of. What made it such a special team?
0: Oh, well, I think, uh, I think first of all, you've got to look at uh, the coach, um, the coach was um, unbelievable, the way you could uh, approach him and uh, he was also uh, uh, very tough on us. And We were only kids and uh, we looked up to him and uh, what he wanted done, you uh, tried like hell to do. I-, I think because of the skill and ability that was there in the side, became a successful side and and Norm was very, very good at um, like breeding a brotherhood. That may sound strange, but uh, there was that feeling amongst each player that uh, if he hurt, you hurt sort of thing and and that was part of of Norm's um, uh, outlook in the way we should be bonded, I guess, together. Uh, But there was also an enormous amount of skill. I mean, you look at, again, I say, look at the brasses and the uh, uh, Laurie Mithin in the um, centre, Bluey Adams on the wing, um, Dixon on the wing. It was a talented... All could play football and all had played football in the past uh, in junior ranks somewhere and all come together. at Melbourne and Norman had the job of blending it and demanding what he wanted.
1: Everybody knows the name Barassi, but not all of us were around to see him play. What made him a special footballer, a standout of his era?
0: Probably his aggression (laughs) and wanting wanting the ball. Um, Ronnie did have uh, a lot of talent. He's a very strong body. um, And I'd say uh, an attitude (laughs) that he wanted to... Uh, Eat somebody, Uh, sort of (laughs) aggressive. That was great for us. He was certainly a a, certainly a leader uh, and a good guy, Um, but he had this uh, this um, need to win, Um, which which also uh, came back onto us, all of us that were there, by his leadership. and uh, he's still a good bloke today because I had lunch with him a couple of weeks back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Could you see in him, Ian, at the time, a coach in the making? Because he was legendary as a coach as well as being oh, legendary as a player. No
0: doubt. I mean, again, it comes back to his leadership and um, the way he played, the way his demands. I mean, as a captain on the ground, he wasn't quiet. <laughs> we often got a bit of yelling at um, I can't remember yelling back at him. Uh, Probably given, not a good idea. You know, I might have given him the thumbs up. But,
1: uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, uh, yes, I think it was there. I think it was there amongst a lot of players uh, to uh, go on, not just uh, finish football and sit back and say, well, that's it. Um, uh, there was always, yeah, something there,
1: yeah. So all of these elements come together. You've got a great coach. You've got Barassi at the helm. You've got this talented lot of players and everything comes down the funnel and it comes out as a premiership. Hmm. Tell us about your first premiership. On my, Seniors.
0: On my first premiership in the scenes, I actually was on the, on the bench. Keith Carroll, who was playing for us uh, in the first quarter, tore his uh, thigh muscle. And I was straight onto the ground, onto the half-back flank. Fortunately, it was a half-back flanker that uh, uh, got the injury, uh, sadly for him. That was 1957 side. And here I was, uh, yeah, suddenly on the ground, having to take action. And frankly, I can't
1: remember much about it. What do you remember about the celebrations when you've got your first premiership under your belt?
0: Oh, unbelievable. I mean... um, I think, uh, and it became tradition to go into the Melbourne Cricket Club members bar and we had to walk around the bar and be congratulated by uh, the the cricket club members and there'd be football club members amongst them as well. And they're handing us beers and and singing the song. And um, yeah, that was really great. And then, then there was a dinner. Um, and then all the wives joined us, and there was dancing, and uh, yeah, no, really great celebrating times.
1: Now, when you have this great team and you have this premiership, but that was into the premiership era for Melbourne. Did the team kind of expect to win flags? Because um, not expect- many teams do that.
0: No, I don't. I don't think um, it was expected. It, it, it was just go through a routine at the end, um, the goal was to win the premiership and uh, but we had each game was uh, well planned by norm everybody had a role to play um, and that the skill and ability of the players the teamwork uh, was really what. Um, brought us uh, the success. Although, I mean, you're talking uh, 1956, we got beaten by Collingwood and that was pretty sad, but there were a lot of lessons learned because um, they came out, to we'd beat them very easily. They came out aggressively. I played on Murray Wiedemann and Murray was slightly in front of me and as they bounced the ball, uh, he threw his left hand back and hit me very low in the stomach to what sort of, you know, underneath that. Very low in the stomach. Very low. Yes. (laughs) And I spent the rest of the game uh, trying to even up. And that's what happened with Ronnie as well. But Ronnie, instead of playing Ronnie's football, uh, was trying to even up because of what happened. And it was other players as well. Hmm. And we took our eye off the ball and they beat us, which was pretty sad. But... I think it became a driving force to succeed and be forgiven by winning future premierships.
1: Yes, and they got their revenge. Melbourne got their revenge in 64 against Collingwood in that famous grand final. Yeah, well,
0: I, I'd gone, I, I was coaching then and, uh, yeah. or learning to coach. I'd done everything I wanted to do. Uh, I was getting a bit of pressure from uh, Waverley in the VFA where I lived They'd just come into the Victorian Football Association and they wanted a playing coach opening the door. Yeah, I thought it was time I spoke to Norm at length and he said, it's your bloody decision, Thorough. (laughs) Typically typically Norm. But I'll tell you what, whatever you do, I'll support you. And he did. And uh, I had six, very, seven very, very successful and happy years uh, with the boys out at... uh, out at Waverley, but then the door opened to go elsewhere. Yeah. Now,
1: was was that a hard decision to make, though, because you're going from the big time, and the VFA was pretty big in those days, but it certainly wasn't as big as the VFL. Was it a hard decision to step away and come down a rung, if you like?
0: No, it was a challenge, I think, more. Having played in uh, four grand finals for three premierships, um, what's next? Same old thing, but he was something new challenge uh, financial uh, benefit uh, as well yeah the door was open to coach and and had a go at it and had a great group of players out there as well and and success
1: Was the VFA as rough and tumble when you got there as it was around about the late 60s early 70s
0: It was rough and tumble Yeah Um, We actually got to the, the grand final against Port Melbourne and um Laurie Mithin was actually um, my ex-mate at Melbourne, was coaching Port Melbourne. He came towards the goals and I said, what the hell do I do? Uh, so I just went straight at him and we both went up in the air and a trainer came out and said to me, don't get up thorough because they'll, uh, they're after you and they'll flatten you and God knows what. Um, the style of VFA football, yeah, was rough and tumble for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Again, the Norm-Smith relationship comes into play because you find yourself at South Melbourne and, and that was a bit to do with Norm, wasn't it?
0: Oh, yeah, very much so. I mean, uh, I was shocked uh, because I had, uh, we had beaten uh, Port Melbourne. We weren't expected to beat Port Melbourne in a Division One premiership, remembering that uh, Waverley had come in at the bottom of the second division. And we got up to First Division to play court. Uh, Norm had called me a couple of times because he'd listened to it on radio um, and given me a few hints. Um, But then it was quite interesting. I I had put in my notice of retirement and it was on a Thursday, I'll never forget it. Um, It was announced early Thursday morning in the press that I had resigned, and lo and behold, I reckon around eight o'clock in the morning, I got a phone call from Norm um, saying, "So you've finished with your football?" I said, "Well, I've finished. Yes, Norm. Um, I need a rest. It seemed to be continuous." He said, "I've got something to do I want to talk to you about, but I can't talk over the phone. Where you? Get, where are you at home?" And I lived at Waven, and of course. He lived over in Coburg. And he sa- I said, yes, Norm, he said, I'll be there in an hour. And he uh, actually drove over and uh, we sat down and he said, look, I've got this proposition from South Melbourne uh, to be their coach. I don't think I've got the legs to do the running. Uh, I'll take the, the, the view of coach, but individually uh, working on players. And I want you to follow out my instructions uh, uh, as a sort of group coach, running football, um, as we said before, practice matches and things like that. And uh, that's how it worked. Uh, and uh, God love him. Uh, here we are. I think uh, we got South Melbourne uh, up into the finals uh, for the first time in 40 years, I think it was. 1970, Bobby yeah.
1: Skilton's one and only final. Yes,
0: uh, with Skilts, uh was a great player for us, Uh, John Rantel, a great... uh, Oh, there was a fellow, a ruckman, and I believe uh, Freddie Way. Mm -hmm. Uh, He came down from Berrigan, didn't train, uh, but boy, could he be a ruckman. And uh, I think Freddie even uh, um, might have made uh, the Victorian side... But that was it. Uh, one year we got out of him. If we'd got more, then we might have been more successful. He was so dominant. And if you ask Skilts, Roving, yeah. uh, of course he was. That's what made Skilts uh, the player that he was in that year.
1: I reckon Freddie Way might have been number 30 as well. Somewhere in the back of my memory, I, I see him tall, dark hair, number 30. Another bloke called Peter Bedford. There at the oh time yeah, I was, yeah, well. I was
0: going to. I can not You come, Peter Bed for John Rantel. Yeah. Uh, look, they were a great, great group of guys, and uh, and I still reckon we could have gone on with it, but um, we didn't. We we failed by a point or two. Uh, um, we were in front at half time. In the, I'm talking about the first semi, uh, but we fell apart a little bit, and we didn't make it. But we were ready for the following year. Yeah, but uh, again people then knew that we were something to be reckoned with and, and probably prepared better.
1: Well there was still one more club that was going to beckon you at the big time and that was Carlton and we'll find out about that when we come back on the other side of this break Ian Thorogood is my guest, hope you're enjoying this edition of This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives more coming up after the break Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives It is indeed a pleasure to have Ian Thorogood as my guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We were chatting in the break. There's a connection. James McLeod is uh, the man at Tobin Brothers who is a great driving force behind this program. And there's a connection between the McLeod family and yourself.
0: Uh, Yes. uh, James' father um, was uh, the secretary of the Waverley Football Club um, as it was born and uh, uh, worked with me uh, I, I, mean, I didn't do it myself uh, he had a, a, a wonderful background at St Kilda um, as administrator and uh, he lived in Waverley and we were lucky to get him And the things that he was able to do that I wanted from a administrative point of view was absolutely fantastic. Uh, James, uh, I think, is Managing Director of... Uh, he is. ..and McLeod is looking after me, and I spoke to him on the telephone the other day. He's a, a good guy. Uh, sounds like his father.
1: Oh, well, it's great that there's that connection that Hi. brings us together for the program today. Mm. Now, we talked about the time at South Melbourne. Let's move on to your time at Carlton. How did you come to be at Carlton?
0: Jack Rout... Who's a great Carlton name? Uh, bumped into Marge Smith in the street somewhere at Coburg, and they were chatting. And he happened to say to her, "Oh, we're looking for somebody to coach our juniors. It's about time to rebuild." And she, he said, "We we can't find anybody." And she said, "Well, why don't you ring in Thorogood? I know that he's doing nothing um, at this stage, and." Uh, Uh, Whether he wants to or not is another issue. So the next thing I got a call from Jack uh, to have a meeting with them and their plan was to bring in a number of 16-, 17-year-olders because the senior side, some of them were getting to the stage, um, uh, not going on with it, not being able to help Carlton. And they, Big Nick... Uh, was going to concentrate on the 25, 26, and I had to breed and have ready this group of kids to step up uh, uh, from the reserves football. And, and you know, the names like uh, Jimmy Buckley, mm-hmm. um, Wayne Harms, Cotoggio, uh, there was about 18 of them, and slowly we... Uh, a number of them got up. I was thrilled because I felt like Norm bringing kids into football and I don't have to talk about the success of those kids. Uh, they really did something for Carlton. However, um, there was um, a bit of a shock treatment for me because uh, um, in the opening game, which was to be played against... Uh, in Collingwood all the jumpers they were supposed to have a function on the um, Tuesday night, and every player was to receive a jumper presented uh, by the president um and and I kept going around and and you know there there was Ian Collins was on the board and uh, wes lofts, but they weren't at this dinner that we were at, and uh, suddenly Jack Rout appeared and he said, "Look." Thorough um, things have changed a bit. We've got a big meeting going on, and uh, we want you to present the jumpers to the younger players, the new ones, Sheldon, etc., etc. And I said, "Oh, okay." And the night just went on because I was new to all this. The next morning, about eight o'clock, I got a call from a mate of mine. And he said, "Geez, it didn't take you long to axe the coach." I said, "What are you talking about?" He said, well, you, you know, you'll be coached because Big Nick has resigned. I didn't know Big Nick had resigned at that point of time. I didn't know Big Nick was at that meeting a few days before we played Collingwood at Carlton. Uh, I said, but, you know, we're playing Collingwood. Who's going to coach? And this big Jack Rout put his arm around my neck and said, you are. Uh, and I said, no, I'm not. I don't want to coach. I've been through that, old Mill. Um, he said, uh, well you're going to have to do it because we've got nobody else. And I said, no, I've got a plan. I'll talk to Alex Jezalenko. I had a few days to do that. Uh, I knew Alex had a cafe down in Burgundy Street. And I said, maybe he can coach, he can be coach, and I'll just help him as a off-the-ground. Well, what do you think you're doing, running the club? And I said, no, I don't. But I've got a bunch of kids, that ideally have have worked with that I want to coach in the reserves and reserves were playing curtain raises they wouldn't have a bar of it. I did go and see Alex and he said no, no, no he didn't want to do it and so I ended up, I coached the uh, the kids and God bless them, they were fantastic and they won um, and I'll never forget it and then I went on and coached the seniors but then the pressure went on to coach and I didn't want to So I was a non-playing interim coach for seven weeks and we won seven games in a row with the help of the players, of course. Mm. And they approached me and said, look, we can't go on in this style. We just can't have a sort of... We agreed I'd do it for the rest of the year and that was announced and we lost the next four games. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was a mad, mad, uh, mad, mad time. But we did go on. We finished on top of the ladder...
1: You got them two within a kick of a grand final, didn't you? Well, we,
0: we played uh, my mate Brassie, North Melbourne. If we'd have won that game, we would have played Hawthorne, who we had beaten twice anyway. But uh, Ronnie um, uh, uh, was on a, wa- uh, on a walk um, stick because he'd been in a car accident and I heard him yelling at them at uh, three-quarter time speech. We were, were in front... But anyway, at the end of the day, you can't change history. We had uh, nine more scoring shots and got beaten by a point.
1: But you must have taken great pride, Ian, in what happened after that because 79, 81, 82, that Carlton team that you formed the nucleus of in lots of ways with those kids that you coached, went on to become another great team. So oh. you must have felt a lot of pride about that.
0: Oh, look, uh, uh, I did. I, I wouldn't say it was pride. I loved um, um, the bunch of kids um, um, for for the way they approached their footy and the way they stepped up. And to see them in that grand final... Um, uh, knocking the ball from the boundary uh, the two of them um,
1: White
0: arms. knocking the ball from the boundary line the goal coming from that
1: and uh, You do realise you're talking to a Collingwood supporter when you bring that up yeah, I
0: didn't yeah well I didn't like <laughs> You don't care do you? don't care <laughs> the, the more we kick Collingwood the better <laughs> um, Gee we were getting uh, along so well too right <laughs> No a great bunch, of, great bunch of kids and you know they went on to success to success and Uh, Some opportunities were there for me. And so um, I stepped back from the coaching role and I think Alex Jezolinko took over uh, for a year or two. And, um, look, it was great at Carlton. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, look, footy's been a a truly truly wonderful uh, place. Ups and downs. I would not change anything that I've... uh, been involved with or done uh, because I've always thought it was right and tried to take the right steps um, and most certainly whenever we played Colin we had to win and we did.
1: Right. I, I think we have to take a break now after all of that. I can't take any more of this. <laughs> We're just about out of time yeah. but we'll take our final break and we'll come back and wrap things up yep, with Ian sure. Thorogood on the other side of the break on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donaghen for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Our final segment with Ian Thorogood on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Ian, um, we've made up during the break after all those terrible things that you had to say about Collingwood. No regrets? You, you mentioned that. No regrets about your time in footy?
0: I don't think so. If I've got a, a regret at all... There is a, uh, an underflowing thing that I was uh, sacked by Carlton, which is untrue. Um, Carlton knew that I wanted to go back to Melbourne and uh, the opportunity... Uh, Melbourne had spoken to me, naughty boys, they shouldn't have, um, about going back there. And um, eventually I did as uh, assistant coach... Uh, to Dennis Jones but there was no way that uh, um, Carlton said thorough you're sacked um, and a lot of people believe that did happen and it's totally untrue and sometimes it hurts me because I really threw myself into a club that was um, not not torn apart but, but was ready to rebuild and I thought I'd really rebuilt it by producing and working with the kids, and also then getting on with the Wolsey and the Southbys and the Doolys, and I'm not sure about the Jeselinkos, but um, uh, and was very happy. But you know, you get to a point, go home, and there was that opportunity at Melbourne, and I thought I might be able to be coach. Uh, they chose Dennis Jones to do it, and that was fine. Um, and uh, that's where I ended up with my footy. Um, we didn't we didn't get the success that we um, wanted, um, but it was home. It was home amongst everybody uh, for a couple of years, and I absolutely loved that. But then it all came to an end because of things that other things that I had to do. No more footy.
1: And it's still your team. Oh, God, yes. they're going in the right direction. Love them. Is there a flag just around the corner? Can the drought be over from 64? They are
0: a really great team together. They can play football as we have seen. They are still a young side, uh, but they have a real go. and, And I love that way they have a real go. The way I played my footy. It's up to them at the end of the day. Uh, Simon Glebun can only do so much once they hit that ground. Uh, go guys and Gorney, and um, they are a good side. Mm. Um, we've got to push that game, that final game, out of our minds because that does happen. Uh, start again, and I think they will start again. I think uh, we wh- What's coming up and what every Melbourne supporter should be zeroing in on is our opening game against Port Adelaide. I mean, Port Adelaide, think um, they've got everything. Uh, We might be able to give them a bit of of a shock.
1: I hope you have a great year. I hope you enjoy it. Um, Thanks for inviting us here to have a chat today at Warringall Hospital. And uh, we do thank everybody here for making us feel welcome, the family Mm. as well. I can tell with that glint in your eye that... There's still that passion for the game. I wish we had more than an hour to chat because it's been a delight to chat to you and to relive your great career. Uh, You've got a a road ahead of you and we wish you the best of luck.
0: Thanks very kindly, very much, Dean. It's a pleasure to have done what I've done. Thanks, Go Dees. Good on you. And I think we play Collingwood on Queen's birthday. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping to get to that going.
1: All right. (laughs) Uh, We might have a little wager on that.
0: Oh, we might too.
1: All right. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again. A pleasure. Ian Thurgood joining us on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral, celebrating lives. Hope you can join us same time next week for another edition of the program. We'll see you then.